listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's a daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Friday, the 10th of December 2021. Later, Fortescue's CEO, Elizabeth Gaines, steps down as the company goes green. We'll tell you more in a few moments. But first, the April C says that consumers are paying more for faster broadband and extra data, but may not necessarily need it. So, for example, the average mobile customer in 2021 on a post-paid contract used only 11.8 gigabytes per month of data when the median data allowance was 35 gigabytes. So that's around half. So for more, I spoke earlier with the HPC chair, Rod Sims. It, it's, it's different in both categories. So with mobiles, and it did coincide with the acquisition of uh, TPG by Vodafone, uh, prices went up pretty well across the board because there was just not as much competition. At the same time as pushing prices up, they did give people more data allowances, uh, but often they were data allowances that people just weren't using, and so people are, are paying more for what they probably don't need. With fixed line, it's more that they offered them, uh, that there are a whole lot of discounts were offered by NBN to get people on higher-speed plans. Those plans cost more, um, and the question is, and so people have been, and many have switched back when the discounts have gone, but nonetheless, both NBN and the retail service providers are trying to get you onto higher price plans because it doesn't cost them much to give you more data, but they charge you a lot more. And again, the question for consumers is, do I need that data? Okay. So speaking of that data, um, what should consumers do to make sure that they're, they're getting the best bang for their buck? Because for some, I guess they don't necessarily know how to measure how much data I use or how much I am using. Yeah, so look, two different bits of advice. On mobiles, it's that dreadful advice of shop around because there are a number of providers and each of the main mobile companies have a low-cost option that gives you very similar service for, for less price. So I think if you just do a bit of homework, you may find yourself uh, finding a much cheaper plan. It won't be the headline brands of Telstra Optus and, and what is now TPG. Uh, it'll be the other brands. Sometimes they'll be subsidiaries of Telstra Optus and C TPG. You'll get a great service. You'll pay less. So I'm afraid shop around for mobile. With uh, fixed line, I think it's a matter of getting on to our website or other sources of information where it can tell you what you get for 25 megabits per second, what you get for 100 megabits per second, and therefore it can tell you, you know, you can judge how many times you've got people watching Netflix at the one time, uh, how much you need to upload because you've got a factor in upload and download, particularly when you're doing virtual meetings. But, you know, virtual meetings don't, they don't really use that much capacity up your upload or download. So it's not so much a matter of measuring your usage. It's a matter of looking at uh, the advice we've got or what you can find elsewhere. I think you'll often find that 25 megabits per second gives you plenty. Certainly 50 megabits per second does. You'd have to be in a very unusual circumstance to justify paying for 100 megabits per second. But I think people just have to just do a bit of research and understand what the system is capable of delivering, what their needs are, what they then need to pay for. 
Very briefly, in a, in a separate report, you're saying that October petrol prices hit a seven-year high because of rising international prices. What else can you tell us about that? And are motorists being taken for a ride? Are, are retailers profiting from this? It, it's not the retailers. It's the oil-producing countries. What happened is when COVID came along, demand for oil uh, collapsed and prices fell to very low levels about a year ago. Since then, you've had demand increase as COVID restrictions have eased, but the oil production companies who trade under the OPEC cartel have restricted supply. So demand's taken off, supply has been restricted, that's forced prices up, and you know prices have risen about 50 cents a litre over the last year. That's been, in a sense, completely due to what OPEC has done. So this dreadful OPEC cartel, uh, the oil-producing nations, they are the ones, frankly, ripping off Australian consumers and causing Australian consumers a lot of harm. Rod Sims there, the ACCC chair. Now to the Australian share market, which fell again today, two days of, ga- of falls. Uh, the S&P ASX 200 down 0.4%, 7,353. For more, I spoke earlier with Tony Sycamore from City Index. They're following a weaker lead from Wall Street overnight after a pretty good three-day rally. U.S. stocks eased overnight on concerns around reports that the Omicron variant is 4.2 times more transmissible than Delta. At this point of time, there still appears to be evidence which suggests case symptoms remain mild, but that trade-off between the higher transmission rate is causing second thoughts for investors. And what we've also seen is some new restrictions coming in in the UK, plus there's some nerves ahead of the US inflation data tonight, and there really is a reluctance as well for people to take or add new positions before the weekend, given that we could continue to see these Omicron headlines evolve over the weekend and into early next week. You mentioned the uh, inflation numbers coming out of the US. How do you see that inflation story globally playing out, and what does it mean for investors? It's, it's an interesting one. I, in October, we saw inflation, headline inflation in the US push up to 6.2%, which was the highest level since 1990. It's not stopping there. We're looking for a print tonight of around 6.8%. And into the early part of 2022, we potentially will see headline inflation in the US with a seven in front of it. Now, why that starts to become important is because we haven't seen the inflection point yet. Inflation is still trending higher, right up until the point where we could start to see a 7.1, 7.2% print just days before the March FOMC meeting. Now, we're already looking at a faster rate of tapering there in terms of tapering their bond purchases more quickly than they expected. So potentially from $15 billion a month up to $30 billion a month, which will mean that the taper ends around March. Now, that could set up a March interest rate rise before another two or three into the end of 2022. That said, interest rates still remain low, so it shouldn't be too much of a problem for stock markets. We're talking about interest rates going from 0.25% in the US. If there was to be another three interest rate hikes, we're talking about interest rates going up to 1%, which is still incredibly low from a historical perspective. Okay, and one uh, interesting development overseas out of China anyway, global ratings Fitch has cut Evergrande to a restricted default rating. So what does this mean and what's the potential fallout? Well, it's been something which has been winding up for the better part of 12 months, to be honest with you. 
The Chinese regulatory reset, which we speak about throughout 2021, actually started in the property market at the end of 2020. They wanted to restrict the housing prices and they really wanted to, I guess, shoot a warning sign across the bow of property developers and the foreign investors which were backing them. We saw Evergrande share price trading at $14 at the start of the year. It's now trading at $1.78. So the fact that we now have this default by Fitch, it isn't really a surprise. The market had been expecting it. Not only that, we saw Chinese authorities at the start of this week make an announcement that they were going to organise a managed debt restructure of Evergrande. So at this point of time, the effect in the markets hasn't been overly obvious, um, apart from that backdrop we spoke about earlier, the Omicron, etc. Still, though, with with formalisation by at least one credit agency that it has fallen into some sort of default setting, right? What what does Evergrande and China's slowing property market in general say about the nation, its economy, and the impact on the countries that rely on its growth? Well, it's a great question. Firstly, what I would say is it was one of the first, property was one of the first regulatory resets. We then saw it in education as education firms were turned into non-for-profit tutoring. We saw it in foreign investment. We've seen it in decarbonisation, the power crunch. And the property, uh, the evidence we're seeing in the property market really signifies that China is a closed economy still, that where the Chinese authorities want these asset prices and these commodity prices to go. They have a very big influence in it. We've seen it with iron ore. Iron ore trading at $230 a tonne back in May. We're now trading around $100 a tonne. That was a result partially due to a crackdown on commodity prices or jawboning of commodity prices by Chinese authorities. So it really is a powerful reminder that where Chinese authorities want asset prices to go, they do have a very firm hand in that state of affairs. The second part for Australia is we are effectively, well, China's our biggest trading partner, and we need to be very mindful that if they start to crack down, if there's a regulatory reset in a certain industry, whether it be property, whether it be steel prices, that is going to directly affect our business with China. Tony Sycamore there from City Index. And now to one of the major corporate stories of the day, and that is Fortescue. Fortescue shares did fall today, but uh, what could possibly be one of the reasons because its CEO, Elizabeth Gaines, is stepping down. Uh, she did, though, see the share price rise 250% over her four-year tenure. Of course, that includes a period where we saw record iron ore prices uh, earlier this year. But it also comes, as the company says, it is going green. For more, I spoke earlier with resources analyst at Fat Profits, David Lennox. So what do we actually know about how Ford will move to become a green player and what does it mean when the company says it wants to be a vertically integrated green energy and resources group? Look certainly they've set up an individual subsidiary that will go down that road and look at investments in those types of green opportunities so that we already know. We already know that they're they're looking down the hydrogen path in terms of uh, using that as one of their key I guess, developments in that area. We also know that uh, Twiggy's been uh, actually accumulating holdings in a number of nickel stocks, producers and explorers here in Australia. So whether or not perhaps uh, they're going down the resources avenue as well to, to broaden the, the resources impact in terms of how they react in the green technology environment. So from that point of view, there are a number of snippets of information that we're well aware of, but you've got to remember 
it's really only just getting started. And really this whole green, I guess, focus of investment is also only just green shooting. So there's going to be lots of opportunities available to this company once it really does get uh, down into the nitty gritty and start investing fully. And in terms of what does a fully integrated green vertical company mean? It means that they want to actually own the total process. We would call it from the from birth to grave. That is, they get involved in every aspect of the development of the, the actual, I guess, investment from when it's first born through all its development stages to when it gets delivered to the ultimate consumer. So that's what we call by a vertically integrated green company. They will be looking at those opportunities inside that particular investment category and they will want to own the total process. What that means is that they're actually going to get very good value from owning the process as they take the risk in the initial acquisition, depending on what that risk is, it will be probably high and then they will go through and start to add value until finally they can deliver it to the final customer. So overall, yeah, we think it's a very good move. There is a lot of risk involved, yes, but if you own the total process, you, you can manage those risks according to your own outlooks. David Lennox there from Fat Profits. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.